Dwayne Wade Week continues with part two of our Rankapalooza. Who are Dwayne's top peers and what are his top finals performances? What are some of the biggest what-if questions of his Hall of Fame career? And where does he rank on our list of the top shooting guards of all time? We break it all down in today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. It is Dwayne Wade Rankapalooza, part two here on Dwayne Wade Week. We posted part one on Monday in which we ranked Wade's best moments, season, and teammates. Today, we're going to be talking about his best finals performances, the greatest peers that he played alongside or with or near, and then where he ranks among the top five shooting guards of all time. And I think we're going to have some surprises when we get to that. But let's just start with Dwayne Wade's top five what-ifs throughout his career as ranked by you, David. Where do you want to start? <laughs> That's a, it's a really tricky one. Uh, there are so many different questions there. Um, and even just as an honorable mention there, what if he had one like MVP? Like, what if he had one MVP during his two peak seasons there? What would the conversation about Dwayne have been like if you could add that to the already incredible, impressive list? That there's resume? no hard an argument. There's no hard an argument right now. No. There's there. I don't think there is a hard an argument. But Houston fans would have you believe, well, Harden won a regular season MVP, so right. there would be none of that. Yeah. So I, I just I dismissed that one. It's just kind of a, a good conversational piece. But as far as the fifth biggest what if here, and I think this applies a lot to fans listening to this show. What if he had never come back in 2018? What if that trade with the Cleveland Cavaliers never took place? What would his legacy have been like in South Florida? Because, I mean, a lot of people probably don't want to re remember this, and there might be a lot of deleting of tweets. But in 2016, when he chose Chicago, let's just say there were a lot of Heat fans that were not too uh, happy with Dwayne's decision. Sure. A lot of people saying... You know, uh, Pat Riley made the right choice, screwed Dwayne. Like, we're talking about the greatest player in franchise history. And, you know, of course, the, some of the reporting later on shows that maybe Pat was lowballing Dwayne. Maybe it was the right decision not to overpay him. Wherever we stand on that particular argument, notwithstanding, like, it could have been really, really badly. It could have ended ugly in terms of Dwayne and his career and how he's remembered by fans in South Florida, where he is beloved. And I think a lot of that changed when he came back, when he helped. Have, you know, carry the team into the playoffs later that year, 2017-18 season. And then, of course, when he retired the following year, incredible moments, triple-double to end his career. The game winner, which we talked about, is one of his biggest moments of all time. The, the ability to kind of just close the door, that particular chapter of his career, of his life, and to end it here in South Florida, did such an incredible job. But I just, to me, one of the questions that, that kind of lingers there is like, what if he had never come back? What if he had gone to Chicago and the three alphas had won a title or at least gone deeper in the playoffs? What if he had stayed with the Cleveland Cavaliers and won a title that year instead? Who knows? It's a great what if. The only reason the Heat even brought him back was that that the, the Bulls decided that they didn't think Jimmy Butler was worth this maximum contract extension. They trade him to Minnesota and just sort of blow up the whole thing, get what they right. can for Dwayne Wade, who gets traded to uh, – 
Cleveland to play with LeBron James, and we get the whole peanut butter and jelly thing, which was a, a little silly. Um, and this was Cleveland host Kyrie Irving asking for a trade. So they bring in Isaiah Thomas, so they're kind of rebooting their whole thing around LeBron and Kevin Love. And right. so the only reason that they're even an option is because of all of that. So all these things kind of happened where Dwayne Wade ends up playing in Cleveland and then it doesn't work out because they're just not as talented. Cleveland has to reboot midseason. It ends up getting them back to the NBA finals, but uh, where they lose. But um, basically Dwayne Wade looks around not having not in Chicago anymore. He's stuck in Cleveland on a team that's barely using him, And he's like, I don't want to be here anymore. I kind of want to go back to Miami and Pat Riley on today's press conference was sort of talking about how there was that want that they knew from Dwayne Wade. And I'm not going to go so far as to accuse anybody of tampering or talking yeah. behind the scenes, but they probably might have maybe been doing that. And so I think Dwayne Wade signaled from one way or the other, Hey, I would like to play back in Miami. Miami was like, well, we don't have anything good going on right now. So we would love to bring you back. What's it going to cost a second round pick done deal. It makes it happen. Uh, you bring up this what if brings up our first. Ah. All right, let's do it. So Dwayne Wade, not really used like Dwayne Wade would probably want to be or expect to be on those Cleveland Cavaliers teams. Of these three Cleveland Cavaliers players on that 2017-18 roster, who averaged more points? Jordan Clarkson, Dwayne Wade, or Rodney Hood? Rodney Hood. Uh, no, Rodney Hood actually had the fewest points out of that group. It was Jordan Clarkson, Dwayne Wade, and Rodney Hood in that order. <laughs> I just read them in order. <laughs> no, it's okay. It made a lot of sense. It could have got. It could have been anywhere. Like that was such a yeah. weird, weird, weird season. That was such a weird roster. roster. Next what? Uh, next what if? Actually, on the flip side of this, what if he had never come back? Was number five. Number four. What if he had never left in 2016? Like, what would that version? Have that team have been 16 17 again it was it was such a sharp contrast from not just the previous two seasons but just the big three era you know chris bosh basically he's waived by the team uh an insurance casualty and of course the the life-threatening disease that basically forced him to retirement they cut ties with Dwayne. they have to go through this massive rebuilding process there luol deng goes to the los angeles lakers they bring in Derek Williams, Dion Waiters, James Johnson, your your boy Luke Babbitt. Like they just go through this incredible upheaval there. And it's just this very, very strange team. But what if Dwayne stays? Like, do they cut ties with Chris Bosch? Do they try and give it another chance? Do they go after other free agents so that they maximize the last few seasons of Dwayne's career? We never see 41 and 41, but you know what? It doesn't really matter because they probably would have been significantly better with Dwayne in 2016-17 than they had been without him. Even as good as Dion was that season, uh, he wouldn't have held a candle to what D uh, D yep. Dwayne was capable of. So it's, it just opens up a lot of different possibilities there. Uh, and I, one Wayne, of the questions to me that kind of lingers. It's a great question, and I think it lingers way more. It's a bigger what if than, than the, if he never comes back in 2019, which was great for emotional reasons. But I don't know that moved the needle necessarily in a meaningful way for the rest of the NBA. If Dwayne Wade does not leave in 2016, if he just re-signs, a couple mm -hmm. of different things could happen, right? Like, obviously, if he re-signs for a bunch of money, the Heat lose probably somebody. They, they probably end up losing Tyler Johnson, which wouldn't have been a big deal. Um, like you said, Deion Waiters probably doesn't become a guy for a season or two. Um, he averaged that year for Chicago 18 points per game on pretty decent clips, he was still a good player 
at that yep. point. Um, he wasn't, you know, what he had been, but he was still a good player. If the Heat are marginally better, do they make the playoffs that year? Do they not get in 2017 the 14th pick that turns into Bam out of bio? Mm. And what oh, does that I look even consider like? That. Right? Yeah, what does that look list. like at that point? So uh, it is a big what if. And then obviously you have that whole thing with Chicago. Uh, without Jimmy Butler having to share to play with Dwayne Wade, does Dwayne does Dwayne Wade ever get the chance to convince Jimmy Butler to come to Miami? Right, being in that same locker room and in that sort of those intimate settings that you're able to kind of talk about those things. Do they have that kind of relationship? They're never teammates, and does that make Jimmy Butler kind of leverage use his leverage to kind of angle his way to get to Miami? Uh, does Chicago ever even want to trade Jimmy Butler? considering that he's the only alpha because they don't have Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo and these other things. And maybe Jimmy Butler, without having to share the ball with those guys, averages 28 points per game that year for the Bulls. And they're like, you know what? This guy is a max player. And maybe Butler is still playing in Chicago. There's so many domino effects of that yeah, They move. re-signed Hassan Whiteside too, right? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, they probably would have. Hassan um, Whiteside probably still would have been out of the league by then, by now, but still. Um <laughs> Yeah, just so many, so many domino effects. It's a fascinating one, and okay, and 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 interestingly, ended up I think being better for everybody involved because we talked about this. I forget with if it was either Izzy or Sedano this week about how Dwayne Wade never was the guy with the massive contract mm-hmm. handcuffing his team the way that Kobe Bryant did, and we right. we tend to overlook that part of Kobe's career, like those last three years when he signed that massive contract, and the Lakers couldn't do anything. And they were just bad. And and that that it gets forgotten now, but it was such a big talking point back then. Remember how yeah, it was just sure. like, yeah, like you can't pay a guy for what he did in the past. And I do think that that Kobe contract influenced Miami's decision not to give that contract to Dwayne Wade because they saw what it could do in hampering your team building back then. So uh, anyway, it's fascinating. It's a great pick. Speak, uh, speaking of uh, team building, number three on the big questions of what ifs in Dwayne's career, what if he was never friends with uh, LeBron James? Obviously, same draft class. They, they come into that draft together. They had form a fast friendship. Him, Carmelo, LeBron. What if he was not friends with LeBron James? Like 2010 obviously never happens. Who knows where LeBron winds up signing? Does Dwayne wind up leaving Miami? Because he could say, you know what, even if I'm not friends, I can still – want to build something with this kid because he's a really, really good MVP type player, et cetera. And who knows, maybe he takes this, maybe he's announcing that he's taking his talents to Cleveland or Chicago. Maybe they both would have joined the bulls. Maybe they would have signed there. Maybe Chris Bosh would have signed there as well. Maybe Chris Bosh would have been Miami's only big free agent acquisition of 2010. Maybe they would have just gone a different round, signed Amari Stadabaya or Carlos Boozer or any other of the big free agent names of 2010 would have been a very, very different and probably a very bleak era in Heat history, if not for that friendship with LeBron James. That's a great one. Um, I think it's pretty clear what happens, right? If they're not friends and if he's not able to convince LeBron to come here, he probably leaves. He probably is playing for Chicago or the New York Knicks or something else. And maybe he does go with, to your point, with LeBron somewhere else. But um, what if LeBron, like, what if the NBA didn't have that high school rule back then and LeBron had to go to college for a year and they weren't part of that same draft class and couldn't bond that way, right? Like those things had to work out that specific way. Right. Uh, number two, the questions here. What if he had been drafted elsewhere? Like this is a fascinating one. So many different possibilities. If you look at the the first four teams in that draft, or you know, again, Pat Riley telling us that the Chris Kamen thing uh, wasn't really as uh, 
it's more apocryphal than real, but I, I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but whatever. Like, who knows? Maybe they, he, he doesn't select Dwayne with a fifth pick. Maybe he gets picked fourth. Maybe uh, they don't take, uh, what's his name, Darko? Uh, they don't Darko take Milicic. Darko with yeah, maybe they don't take him with a second pick of the draft. Maybe Detroit takes Carmelo Anthony, and it's like a kind of a domino effect there where Dwayne gets taken fourth, <laughs> taken fourth by the Toronto well, that Raptors. Was a, that was a real thing, right? Like, yeah, we no, kind of knew who the first three picks were because Detroit kind of told everybody what they were going to do. Um, LeBron was going to go number one. We figured Melo would go number three because there was a real argument that he can go number two. People, There were yeah. some people saying that you should even take him number one that year, I remember. Um, yeah. although that was a little because yeah. high school players don't pan out, right? No, way. exactly. And 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 Carmelo had that amazing Syracuse run, right? Yeah, in, in March. So, um, yeah, so like the top three felt pretty locked, but after that, it was sort of like, well, does Toronto want to go with the big band? Do they want to go with Dwayne Wade? And I bet you had Toronto been that draft plays out right now, Toronto goes the guard over the big man every single time, probably, right? right. But back then, it was still okay, just when in doubt, kind of go with the size. Um, and that's what they did, uh, thankfully. And and the Miami Heat, not yeah, what, you know, they ended what, up with both of them, but you know, they ended what up. What if Chris, what if Chris Bosh had fallen to Miami in, instead? You know, like could he have been that supreme level player? I, I don't know. It's like it's so hard to see. Like, you know, he was a different dynamic, and certainly it would have been very tough. He would have fit better in that that first season because started next Wade, to Wade was starting Grant, a point guard out of position. Yeah, like Bosch, they needed a big guy back then. They like Brian Grant. We love Brian Grant, but like he wasn't like the guy that you wanted starting for your team. Uh, he would have been he a probably still ideal started though. Like there would have been a big front court though, but like small yeah. and big at the same time. It would have been Lamar Odom at six ten. It would have been Chris Bosch at six eleven, and yeah. then Brian Grant at six eight or so. You know, but so a very smallish bit. And then Grant, the shortest of them all, would have been starting at center. Ironically enough, but yeah, fascinating question there. But all of right. course, my no, number, number one, one. What if coming up? After this, <laughs> today's episode of Locked On Heat is brought to you by Bird Dogs. I love my Bird Dogs. They make me look good with their stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving me a truly sculpted look. And they can give you that same truly sculpted look. To put it another way, Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. That's much nicer on your wallet. They, they're way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. You just don't want that. So Bird Dogs fixed this issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Plus, Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Trust me and get yourself a pair. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or enter the code locked on NBA for a free white tech hat. The birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. Or use that promo code locked on NBA at checkout for a free white tech hat. They actually sent us one. I don't have it in reaching distance, but it's really cool and it's a running hat for me for sure. You're, you can get that for free at Bird Dogs. You're not going to want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Thanks again for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day here on Dwayne Wade Week. If you missed any of our shows, Rank Palooza Part One our interviews with Israel Gutierrez. We've got interviews with Antoine Walker, interview with George Sedano. Uh, it's the best Dwayne Wade content happening anywhere, right here, Locked On Heat, YouTube, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcast. David, what if, number one? This is oh, Kevin Farland's voice, by the way. Before I do that, 
cue me up some trivia music there, please. If you don't mind. There we go. <laughs> I love it. All right, trivia question. How many times did Dwayne Wade make first team all defense? Four. That's your final guess? Yeah, but I think it might. It's three or four. Zero. First Zero. team all defense? I thought he made it three or four times. No, oh, no. Second he, team. Ah, that's what I was thinking. All right. No, that's a good one. That's second a good one. team. 2005, 2009, 2010. But the lead, one of the leading shot blockers at the guard position, certainly the leading shot blocker, 6'4 or under. Yes. Great steals guy. Great individual defender. Would have been switchable because of just incredible strength and everything else in today's NBA. Would have been able to pick up one through three, maybe even some fours in today's game. Uh, just a great overall defender, weak side helper coming in with that block shot, and yet never made first team all NBA defense. I mean, look, you had Kobe Bryant and others up there, so maybe that was part of the problem. And then again, a lot of those votes just kind of, you know, probably got diluted in other potential that was, players there. But yeah, I mean, the Kobe thing was real. Uh, he was yeah. a great on ball defender. I'm not taking anything away from him, but he probably got too much credit too late in his career when Dwayne Wade was really emerging in his prime, and there was a point where Kobe wasn't as good a defender as Dwayne Wade just sure. because of the way their ages lined up. And that was back in the day where we didn't have the defensive analytics and all these things. And you kind of just went with reputation. Like that was back when like Tony Allen was on like every all defensive team. It was a little bit like Marcus Smart, you know, these days people, you know, the Boston media mafia. And now I guess, you know, the Memphis media mafia will try to do the same. Whatever. Point being, didn't Dwayne Wade finish like third in defensive player or top five in defensive player of the year one year? I'm pretty sure in like I 2008 or 2009. Certainly but um, like I'm glad you bring that up just because uh, our younger listeners, I don't think that people remember Dwayne Wade for his defense. In fact, they probably even think of Dwayne Wade as a minus defender based on the like the later stage of his career. Sure. That guy was an amazing defender, one of the best defenders you've ever seen at the guard spot. Just tenacious, the jumping of the passing lanes. It, it was like Jimmy Butler, but way more athletic uh, with what he could do uh, after those interceptions, right? It was pick sixes all the time. Um, so I'm glad you bring that up. What if and, number and one? I'm oh, sorry. The athleticism. No, the athleticism yeah. is, is what leads me to my number one. What if uh, with Dwayne's career is that what if he had just been healthy? Like what if he had just been healthy at Marquette? What if he had been healthy throughout his NBA career? No talk of uh, load uh, maintenance, you know, no maintenance program. You know, LeBron, does he leave in 2014? I don't think he does. I don't think he does. Like he saw shrewdly as he always does the writing on the wall he makes that business decision in a cold, calculated way. And he knew he had to go back to Cleveland to put him in a good chance to win a championship and to just kind of fix the errors that he was widely perceived uh, from the 2010 decision. But if Dwayne is healthy in 2014, and again, we had no idea about Chris's ailment. You know, they could have re-signed Chris. It would have just been another chance to continue building on that. And then maybe LeBron stays. Maybe they compete for titles over the next two, three, four seasons. Who knows how long it lasts? Uh, another big what if there, but it all stems from Dwayne's unfortunate injury history. And of course, well, LeBron, I, I think LeBron stays, right? The yes, reason he left was be, I, LeBron was always going to end up back in Cleveland at some point. He yes. made that very clear. It didn't necessarily Besides need to be 2014. He could have just done another one and one. Right. He could have been in Miami for another. Maybe it was just one year. Maybe it was two years. Right. Who knows? But I, if Wade's healthy, first he of all, doesn't leave. he doesn't leave. Maybe the Heat win the 2014 finals. There's also Great that point. possibility. Great point. Maybe they win the 2014 finals because at that point, Dwayne Wade was a shell of himself. And it was a big reason why LeBron had had decided to leave. He was like, carry the team. I don't have my co-star anymore. 
And right. Cleveland's got this great young guy in Kyrie Irving. They've got another big pick. We could trade that oh. pick for another big player, which turned out to be Kevin Love and all these things. And they have all this cap space where I can basically build the team around me. And yeah, if, if, if they win the championship in 2014, yeah. LeBron doesn't leave. They get the three-peat. We think about LeBron's career in a completely different way. Uh, he stays. Maybe the Heat add like a Pau Gasol that year in free agency who they were sort of flirting with. Maybe they're able to go get LaMarcus Aldridge another point later um, and all these other things. Maybe they're still able to make the Goran Dragic deal. You know what I mean? Because at that point, their draft picks that they had, those first rounders that they had used to for those sign-in trades were starting to come, uh, the sign-in trades that uh, ultimately they ended up negotiating for LeBron and Bosch. They ended right. up kind of regenerating every seven years as they do. And they were able to trade two of them, remember, for Goran Dragic a couple years later. So are they able to kind of add to that group? And they had a need to point guard anyway. So who knows what could have happened? It's a great what if. Um, all right. Great segment. Um, so we've got top five finals performances. We've also got his top five peers and top five shooting guards of all time. Let's just do, um, let's do peers really. How quick do you think we could be on peers? Cause you did this one too, before we go to break or should we just go yeah. to break and come back? No, no, no. I can go through it pretty quickly. I, I, it's, right. it's tough. Like, like peers, you know, how do you categorize that? You and I debated that even before we started recording. Like, is it just, you know, guys that he played with, guys that he kind of competed against or people that were just kind of in the periphery there? Like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is one of his peers. And I think we can see that based on not just our conversation with media members that saw that incredible athleticism, but our conversation with Pat Riley, like the way he talked about him, it was Jordan-esque. We saw this in our rewatch of last year. I wouldn't consider Michael finals. Jordan a peer of Dwayne Wade. They never overlapped. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They were peers in the sense that, like, the, the image, the idea. Yeah, the idea of Jordan is what Dwayne was kind of competing at. For a moment there, a brief moment, Dwayne fit into that next Jordan category alongside Kobe, alongside Vince Carter. Like, of those names, Vince Carter. I don't know. Would Grant you consider Hale. Oscar Robertson a peer then? Like, I, I, that's the, the Jordan thing is a stretch. Like, I understand historically you, you want to compare the two, and, and their peers, at, at, in terms of being among the best shooting guards of all time. But like, like I retired think like, right before, like his second retirement or third retirement, whatever you want. Yeah. To they it. never, it was, they never really overlapped. And even if, okay. so I, I don't know. Hey, I don't know if it, it, it's on, it's on, it's on the list. It's not my top five. My top okay. five are as follows. Number five, Manu Ginobili. Uh, I think stylistically just a, a, you know, just a name that people really kind of gravitated. You either like Dwayne, you were like Manu, the Euro step was there. A lot of people credited to Manu, et cetera. I just think, and also the fact that they competed against one another in the finals, not once, but twice, I think puts them in there. It's a good one. Uh, number four, Paul Pierce, I think yep. is a peer. Yep. Uh, unfortunate. Right? Uh, but yes, I think that's another peer, another competitor, a guy that played a similar position. Number three, Kobe Bryant. Uh, to yes. me, that is uh, absolutely a peer there. Like not only were they playing the same position, but as we just talked about previously, like competing for the same awards, same recognition, et cetera. Number two, Dirk Nowitzki uh, on the eve of his uh, induction into the Hall of Fame. The fact that they're both going in together, it's like two sides of the same coin, man. Like Dirk Nowitzki on one side, the matchup in 2006, the matchup in 2011, retiring at the same yeah. point in time, now entering the Hall of Fame together. Their, their career is completely intertwined in almost a kind of like legendary way. And it was almost yeah. like it wasn't magic and bird level. No. But it was it was similar and just like they kept running into each other and kept doing the same yeah. things together all the time and, and hitting these milestones and 
being in each and other's way. So it's a great one. Who you who you like out of those two kind of defines your fandom to a certain degree. Right. You're a Dwayne guy, you're a Dirk guy, you know, where do you stand? I could I that? could tell you where you live based on that answer. Like in 2011, he was like, yeah. you know, even like it's like, who do you want, Dirk or, or Wade? If you lived in a city, you wanted Wade. If you lived anywhere else, you wanted Dirk. <laughs> Well, anywhere outside of South Florida, too. I don't know. That that 2011, that was a different year. But number one, his number one peer, his best friend, his teammate, his competitor, guys that they played against each other, LeBron James. It's the, it's the only option for me. I think he's the, the top peer there. He's a guy who was competing. Again, we talked about it in our other interviews with, with Izzy and, and, and uh, George Sedano that, you know, it was, it was Dwayne versus LeBron as the best player in the NBA. And, yeah, Dwight Howard getting whatever recognition he was getting at that point in time. But it was really Dwayne. Like, he was, was so good. And so many people kind of forget that he was at that level. LeBron-esque, Michael Jordan-esque. And, and that's something that we have to consider. I agree with you. Um, all right. We're going to get to top five finals performances ever and is, um, as well as the top five shooting guards of all time. I think our shooting guards are going to surprise some people. And in a finals performance, could one of his best performances come in a loss? We're going to talk about that next here on Locked on Heat. Welcome back to Locked on Heat. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and your favorite podcast app here on Dwayne Wade Week. We've got plenty more uh, on the feed. If you, in case you've missed anything, interviews with Israel Gutierrez, Antoine Walker, George Sedano, Rankapalooza Part 1. Really excited to bring all this to you. All right. Let's go to top five finals performances, David. Are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So this, is, this breaks down great because he played in the finals five times. So a perfect way to rank our top five absolutely number five not a surprise here 2014 versus san antonio 15.2 points per game on 44 percent shooting 3.8 rebounds 7.6 assists 1.6 steals the most surprising part of the 2014 finals david did not record a single block in the entire series if that does not if that does not tell you that his athleticism was waning or had completely waned at that point. That I mean, that's it. That's the stat right there. His um, point totals for the five-game series, 19, 14, 22, 10, and 11. In retrospect, no wonder LeBron left after 2014. Tough one. Like I mean, it was just... They were running up against a, a buzzsaw of a historically good Spurs team, as much as it might hurt Heat fans to hear this. They kind of changed the game in their own right. They like they took pace and space elements. They took passing elements. They just they were so dynamic with the ball, and they, you know just a great cast of veterans surrounding superstar players as well. Uh, and they ran into a team that was tired, injured in Dwayne's case, had been together for four years, had gone to four straight finals. And we're just kind of done with each other up at that point. And I think everybody knew it, but still good enough between behind the individual greatness of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosch, still good enough to be able to get to the finals, but just not be not really able to compete against a very good Spurs team. It was pretty incredible that they made it that far, right? And it was a little bit of a weak Eastern Conference that year. There's no doubt about it, but um it was, it was, it's still it's still hard to make the NBA final. Yes, absolutely. All right, number four. 2013 against the San Antonio Spurs. Very different kind of series for Dwayne Wade. 
19.6 points per game on 47% shooting, almost 48% shooting, four rebounds, 4.6 assists, 1.9 steals, and 1.3 blocks per game. His point totals by game, 17, 10, 16, and then the second half of that series, 32 points, 25 points, 14 points, and 23 points in game seven. That 32-point point, uh, point outing in game four on 14 of 25 shooting, he also had six rebounds, four assists, and six steals to prevent Miami from going down 3-1 in that series. The Heat, we had covered this in, in a, a previous segment on another show, but the Heat were, on, were, were threatening to go down 3-1 against the Spurs. They had lost in game three by 36 points to San Antonio um, and were wobbling, and it looked like it could be over for them. Uh, and then Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Chris Bosh came out and put together one of the great performances the big three combined had ever put together, and Dwayne Wade led the way. So that was the highlight for him. It wasn't the most consistent, again, when you saw the point totals. It wasn't the most consistent effort, but it was still a very good, very strong, almost 20 points per game on really good percentages and things like that. He was picking his spots more yep. than versus in 2014 where it just felt like he didn't have it anymore, yeah. if that makes sense. No, absolutely. It kind of perfectly symbolizes – the version of Dwayne that a lot of fans kind of remember is the fact that he had taken a back seat to, to LeBron playing much more off ball, picking his spots is a really good way of putting, it. still finding ways to be effective because he was still healthy enough at that point enough to really be, I mean, he was damn good. Like, uh, you know, he could queue up the uh, trivia music because I think that it, it kind of leads into something else here. One more question here. Well, my last trivia question here, how many times did Dwayne Wade rank in the top 15 of MVP vote getters? Top 15? Yeah, how many times wow. have you get top 15 uh, right? One, two, three, four. I'm going to say... I'm going to go uh, six. Not close. Uh, you actually eight times. Actually, eight. Actually eight times. Yeah, eight times. Yeah. Still getting MVP votes even that last year, 2012-13. So that's kind of what led to that. And what was his highest ranking and his lowest rank among those top 15 three yes at the highest and yes. then i don't know the lowest probably 15 12 he was actually 12 one year okay. 2006 2007 so the year after he won the finals still dominant but uh you know not, just starting to get those kind of mvp that mvp recognition a little surprised that he was that low the year after the, the championship but yep um all right number three 2012 versus the Oklahoma City Thunder, 22.6 points per game on 43.5% shooting, six rebounds, 5.2 assists, 1.4 steals, 1.2 blocks. And the great thing about this series, David, consistency. Just a steady score, 19 points, 24 points, 25 points, 25 points, and then 20 points in the game-winning one. Uh, basically, those point totals with six rebounds and five assists on average every single night, that was... The most remarkable to be that consistent in the NBA finals, where had where Wade it was the year after they lose to the Mavericks in 2011. They have the big meeting in the Bahamas. Hey, I'm going to be second fiddle, I'm going to be Robin to your Batman to LeBron. By by the by the NBA finals against Oklahoma City, Wade had fully actualized and mastered that role where he was just rolling out of bed and and basically scoring 22 points whenever he wanted, um, in a myriad different ways, but just always figuring it out game to game, remarkably consistent that year. Did Pat Riley kind of give us a a, a, in, a little hint, a little insight to that 
that we hadn't heard about, like that, that he had kind of coordinated a meeting after mm-hmm. the loss in 2011. And then that kind of led to the Bahamas discussion about who takes over and et cetera. Cause I, I kind of indicated that, that there was a kind of a sit down between LeBron, Dwayne, Chris, and, and the front office coaching staff, et cetera. And that the discussion was, you guys got to figure he it didn't, out. I mean, I don't, I don't think he indicated it. I think he just said it. He's like, yeah. after we lost in 2011, I sat them down and I said, you guys got to figure this out. That's that's what he told us on the conference call. Um, I, don't, I don't think we've heard that before, right? I had not heard it before. So I'm glad you brought that up because I had not heard that before. Um, interesting. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense if you think about Pat Riley and his whole theory on basketball, like everybody having a place and then exceeding in those roles and things like that. Even the star players, you know, you want to get rid of the ego and all, this, you know, the ego is the enemy kind of deal. Um, it makes a lot of sense, but um, I don't think him kind of hand in hand doing it with D Wade where he wasn't so much saying, okay, LeBron, you're number one, D Wade, you're number two, CB, you're number three, but being like, you guys need to figure it out and understanding also that if he were to say it, it wouldn't work. It had to right. be them kind of buying right. into those new roles and making those decisions for themselves. And uh, it was probably the obvious thing back then, but for him to yep. say it and for Dwayne Wade to roll run with it um, is, I think, one of the biggest marks about Dwayne Wade. I keep going back to everything that we have heard about Dwayne Wade, the stories from Izzy, Sedano, Antoine Walker, and everything that we've heard over the years covering the team and just watching Dwayne Wade. Um, the fact that he was so willing is, is the thing that is to, to defer is the rare thing about him uh, that stands out every time you talk to anybody about Dwayne Wade and what made him special. So um, great point. Number two. 2011 versus the Dallas Mavericks. All right. I was going to say, you kind of hinted at it by being otherwise. You couldn't throw off. I mean, no, historically great 2006. I hate no, spoilers for anybody who's listening at this point, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure everybody knows where they're going with this. But 2011, yeah, he was, I was just phenomenal. I was just trying to tease. Just tease the listeners. Coming. But, number, but number two, I mean, he has two champion finals wins below this. I think there's a lot of people that argue you can't put the lost finals number two over two championships and i would say look at these numbers 26 and a half points per game on 55 percent shooting which was better than 2006 by a wide margin uh seven rebounds five assists 1.5 steals 1.5 blocks um he scored 30 points twice his best performance was a 29 11 and three to go up 2-1 in that series and of course miami did not win another game in that series but it wasn't because of Dwayne Wade. We know why. Nope. LeBron struggled. Nope. There's that clip about Dwayne, of Dwayne Wade yelling at LeBron that went viral uh, in the middle of that series. Dwayne Wade later saying that he wishes he kind of didn't handle it that way. So obviously these players still at their absolute peaks athletically and all of these things, but also learning to play with other super-duper co-stars and figuring out that kind of chemistry and all of that comes with that. But... I would argue 2011 over 2006, if I were to argue anything, the percentages, 55% shooting over 47% against Dallas in 2006. And I would just say this flatly, and I don't think anybody would debate this. Dwayne Wade was a much better player in 2011 than he was in 2006. I'm not saying that the 2011 performance is better than 2006, but I just think that that's important context and why this one stands even above some of the championships that Dwayne Wade won. This one coming in a loss. Had LeBron even been average... The Heat win that finals, and Dwayne Wade has another finals MVP. Another what if for you. Great, great point. Great point. Okay. All right, yeah, number one. Anything else for it? 
2006 versus the Dallas Mavericks. If you want a more just wow. in-depth. Shocker. Just, we did a whole watch through of the 2006 NBA Finals last summer. It's up on our YouTube page. So it's still fun. up on the homepage. I, I strongly suggest you at least watch like the one of the episodes from that, especially from like the game winnings uh, game of that yeah. series. But his averages, 34.7 points per game. Let's just call it an even 35. 47% shooting. Eight rebounds, four assists, almost three steals, and a block per game. Dominated. And, David, I will go so far as to say it's the greatest finals performance, not just in Dwayne Wade's career, but in NBA history. I think it's better than any of Michael Jordan's. I think it's better than anything LeBron's put together in the finals. I think it's better than anything Kobe's put together in the finals. It's certainly better than anything Steph has put together in the finals. It's better than anything Kevin Durant has put together in the finals. It's better than anything Bird or Magic has put together in the finals. It is, without question, the greatest finals performance we've ever seen. The Miami Heat were not as good as the Dallas Mavericks that year, but Dwayne Wade was that much better that he made them better that year in those finals. Uh, his PER is literally the highest in a final series ever, ever. And so I... All, all I hear is people complaining about free throws, you know? It's, it's so ridiculous, so patently ridiculous. So that's it. Um, all right, top five shooting guards of all time. Shall we get to it? Wow. Oh, wait, yeah, wait, so, sorry. Wait, wait. Oh, one more trivia question. Yeah. Nice. Who are the top scorers in the regular season in the 2006 season, David? I'm going to give you the names, and I want you to put them in order. Okay. All right. One, two, three, four, five. Here we go. Allen Iverson. Ooh. LeBron James. Dwayne Wade, obviously. Kobe Bryant, Gilbert Arenas. Oh, I, uh, 2006. Uh, you got the names? You need them again? No. Let's say, uh, let's say AI first, then Kobe, then LeBron, then Gilbert, then Dwayne? Really close. It was Kobe and then AI, and then you got it. Kobe, okay. Iverson, LeBron, Arenas, Wade. Uh, who... Finished one spot below Dwayne Wade. Bonus trivia. Six, six. Oh, Ray Allen? No, it was Paul Pierce. Oh. Always just a little further behind Dwayne Wade. Always just, <laughs> just a little bit further behind Dwayne Wade. Yeah, turn that knife a little bit there. <laughs> all right, let's yeah. go top five shooting guards of all time. Did you put your list together or did I just do this? Uh, no, I, I did. We said okay. we were both do a list. Number one, uh, you and I, Michael Jordan. I think that's fair. You're taking all the suspense out of it, but yeah, I think, yeah, clearly number one. Well, okay. Um, no, you're right. Let's, so should we count down then from five to well, two? Well, we could, we could do one. Yeah, we could do one. Mike, Michael, number five. Who's in your number five? So I have Gervin. I have George Gervin. George Gervin? Yeah. I went back. His stats were crazy, man. That dude was different scoring. Era. He led different the league era. in scoring four different times. I, I know it was a different era, but I, I, I kind of, I understand the era argument. I kind of dismiss it. Like George Gervin would never do that in today's NBA. And it's like, he didn't have to because he didn't play no, in today's I, NBA. And I just think I'm, I'm look, I look at resumes and his resume is only against the competition, right? You can only be judged versus who you play. And he led the scoring. He led the league in scoring four times. He dominated wow. the rest of the ball game. Like he was great. He was a very good playmaker, great rebounder. He won a lot. I just, I, I had a number five. I had a number five, but I also, for reference, did not have Jerry West in my top five. He was more point Ooh. guard than shooting guard. People always put him in the shooting guard comp thing. He he kind of went between the two, but he was always kind of a lead playmaker. I 
He had high. He was high usage. Gail Goodrich was the point guard because he was shorter on right. those Lakers teams. Yeah, but it was but a very different. One. Right. It was, and then before that, it was Elgin Baylor, and it was it was kind of like the same argument. It's like it was Baylor the point guard. He was you know creating and facilitating for everybody. Is LeBron a point guard, even though he's as big as he is? You know, I just in, in my mind, I think player. of Jerry West as a as a point guard. You watch those highlights, and you think like he's always bringing the ball up. He's at, he plays like a point guard. Like I just I never thought yeah. of him as a shooting guard. Hey, I don't have any problem with Gervin being included in there as long as James Harden's not in your top five. My top five. <laughs> James Harden didn't I, sniff the top five. He was eliminated. Hey. He there wasn't even go. like in consideration. He doesn't have look, you don't have the playoff success. You don't have the championships. And I'm not rings or bust, but you gotta show me something here. You gotta show me something in terms of I'm a winning player. And James Harden, I know that he ran into some tough Warriors teams, and I get that. And I'm not that that is a real thing, and that is not his fault. You know, I wouldn't I'm not holding it against Charles Barkley, for instance, that he ran out, he ran into Jordan all the time, right? But at least Barkley like stepped up sometimes in the playoffs. He made a finals. Like there's things that happened there that are yeah. tangible. Like this guy probably should have won a championship. And if you play out Barkley's career ten times, he probably comes away with a championship nine of those ten times. He just happened to live the tenth one. That was unfortunate. If you play out James Harden's career ten times, I think he probably wins a championship one or two of those times, right? Like, and that's probably because of some catastrophic injury to an opponent. Like the, the playoff resume is just straight. It's just bad. Right. And it's not one of those like kind of overblown or you're just being hard on and bad. No, it's bad. It's bad. There's way too many two stayed. for 11 performances in there. Should have stayed in Oklahoma City. I mean, we're um, probably the one they want to pay him. Yeah. They don't want to pay him. Uh, all right. So you and I did not have Harden on top five. That's a quick Harden thing. Number five uh, for fans. me is uh, Clyde Drexler. Yeah. Clyde Drexler. I was the other guy. I was, it was it was him or uh, it was him or Gervin for me. Give me the Drexler argument. I mean, I saw him play. Uh, yeah. I saw him during the Rockets era, too. Uh, I didn't watch much of his Blazers career. But the, the the narrative about him being Jordan-esque, as much as Jordan used it, because Jordan used anything, uh, as we, anybody who saw the last dance recognizes, whether you said hello or didn't say hello, he's going to find a reason to hate it. So you couldn't win with that guy. But the Quick fact aside that, on that, I was yeah. watching this highlight the other day on Instagram. Instagram, by the way, they have like these great accounts that are just like – it's like Dwayne Wade – legacy yeah. accounts right and you just go and yeah. they'll just you're just browsing through your feed and they're like all right somebody's dinner a cute and dog and then all of a sudden you're seeing like a twain wade highlight from 2009 you're like this is sick and then you're just yeah. sitting there watching it so i <laughs> yeah. i obviously follow that and now i'm getting like kobe bryant ones i'm getting michael jordan ones and i'm just following all of them i'm like this is great just give them all um anyway i see this one from michael jordan and this guy commented on the conk it's when he came out with the 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 jordan 11s and he was wearing the concord grape concord 11s and um, some guy is like heckling him from the sideline in one of the courtside seats, heckling like your your shoes are dumb or ugly or what? Make fun of his shoes. And Jordan looks at him, and and he he like he looks at him, trash talks him a little bit, and then makes like two straight three pointers to win the game. And then sh- and then looks at that guy, doesn't shush the crowd or the opponent. Looks at that guy and shushes him. He's like, don't make fun of my shoes. Talking about finding slights anywhere. This poor man courtside. And that poor team, that whatever team he was playing, I don't even remember what team he was playing, but they should have banned that guy for life, or at least for the rest of Jordan's career. It's like, don't come back here. I mean, but, but can you imagine, like, like Heat fans love, in the context of Dwayne Wade week here, like, love purple shirt guy because he pissed him off. And, like, purple shirt guy was as arrogant an asshole as you're going to find along the baseline there. Like, yeah. him talking. But it was Jordan, Jordan esque to D Wade, yeah. Yeah, but 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 for Jordan, it's like I don't like your shoes, sir. And next thing you know, it's like, all right, I'm going to drop fifty on you. Right. Like, I didn't have enough butter put on my 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 you know my a la carte table to this morning. You know when I ordered room, 
you know, a room service. It's like, who, 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 you couldn't have win with a guy. Anyway, yeah, right. so no, number five, Clyde Drexler. Number four on my list. Uh, oh, gee, who do I have on my list here? Not uh, you write it down. No, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, go ahead. Give me your fourth. I got Allen Iverson. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I have a hard time with AI. Like AI. The point guard versus shooting guard thing or? It, that's part of it. Uh, I, I just, I was a different person back then, obviously as a fan. And I was just never a fan of Allen Iverson's. Uh, as a, you know, as a players all love Iverson. But all I saw was him like, foul baiting before James Harden. And I guess you have to give him credit for being 160 pounds and being able to play as effectively and score as well as he did. But it just seemed like there was like these astronomical free throw attempt numbers and things of that sort that I just, I could never really stomach his game as I mean, much. You, you, I mean, it's that, that does sound a little hypocritical during an entire week celebrating Dwayne Wade. I will say that. Like, we should point that out. I'm not saying that Dwayne Wade was a foul Bader the way that somebody like James Harden was with the throwing the head back and all that stuff. But Dwayne Wade definitely had an intent to get to the line a certain amount of times per game and did what it is that he had to do to get to the line that many times per game. It's fair enough. Um, I still have Ray Allen above him. I got Ray Allen as my, my, my fourth. He didn't make my top five. Yeah. No, I mean, the numbers don't it. bear it out. But, yeah, he sacrificed a lot, and, and, and people kind of forget. He's so yeah. versatile as a scorer and defender. Yeah. He, like, really was good. Yeah, I think people now think Ray Allen, especially I think our fans who really remember sort of the big three heat and Ray Allen came yeah, off the limited bench role, and he was a three-point sure. shooter. And even like towards the end of that Celtics run, uh, I would say maybe even during the entire Celtics run, he was still a limited player versus what he had been. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy was a, a freak, man. I mean, Milwaukee, Seattle. In Milwaukee and Seattle, really he was a freak. Uh, I have no problem with you having Ray Allen in your top five. Um, but I had Iverson. My Iver- Iverson's my number four. Uh, I had the exact opposite experience of you. That guy was a god for me growing up. Obviously, we're we, you know we're a different age. I grew up. It was like Iverson, Kobe, Kevin Garnett, and then obviously in twenty in two thousand and three, Dwayne Wade Oof. and that whole group. But like those were my dudes. Like back then. Like wow, it's just a murderous row of people I hated at that point. In time. Yeah, like, really. You and I had the exact opposite taste of basketball. Yeah. KG, I, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, KG was just a trash talking you know, actress, you know, that's all it was. He, like, uh, these Kobe. are the guys that, as a kid, they just blew my mind. I had never seen anybody do things no, like what it. they were doing. Like, I was I coming around and shooting threes as a seven footer. I was like, I didn't even know you were allowed to do that. Uh, Kobe and Iverson, like, Iverson's handle was ridiculous. And I loved, I loved the flair. I loved everything that he was about. I loved the trash talking. I loved all of it. And then Kobe was Kobe. Um, Kobe's my number three. I got Kobe. That's uh, insane. Um, That's a tough one. This is where the argument is. Like, we we got one, four, and five. You can, again, vacillate depending on your taste. There's a clear top three in NBA history. Yeah. Yeah. Most people would say that that order is also clear, that it's Jordan, Kobe, and Dwayne Wade. And if you want to debate four through ten of the greatest shooting guards of all time, it's basically open to, to debate. I think... And, here, and the point that I'm really trying to make here, I think that people now, since Kobe has passed, it's happened more, are, are, there's more of an argument of, is Kobe the GOAT? Because of people my age, Kobe was their GOAT more than Jordan was their GOAT. True. And I also want to point out that GOAT is not specific to a person. GOAT is greatest of all time. GOAT does not equal favorite player ever. So like when Brandon Miller says Paul George is the GOAT, that's insane. 
and he doesn't understand it's insane because what he means is that Paul George is his favorite player. But he's saying that Paul George is the GOAT. GOAT is greatest of all time. And I didn't think we had to explain that anymore. To me, the debate is between LeBron and Michael Jordan, and the debate ends there with those two guys. There will be Celtics fans that say, hey, Bill Russell, and things like that, whatever. And now there's there's Kobe stands that are like, Kobe is closer to Jordan and maybe should be in that argument. I would, And here's my argument and the reason I bring this up. I think the gap between Dwayne Wade and Kobe Bryant for second greatest shooting guard of all time is much closer, much closer than the gap between either of those two and Michael Jordan for the greatest shooting guard of all time. That's an interesting one. The thing with Kobe is that he was so determined in his uh, trying to replicate what Jordan had done. And, you know, of course, the three-point shot was uh, evolving at that point when Kobe's career was taking place. And so he wound up being more of a shooter than Jordan ever was. Um, and, and so he was – like people use the argument, he was, he was like Jordan but with a three-point shot. I don't know. Uh, to, to me, like it's so like not just the off the court stuff, which has to paint my perspective of who Kobe is, but at the same time, it's also a lot of the foul baiting, and also a lot of it really, really, really incredibly inefficient games. I, I you know what? I think you may have convinced me. Like I, I don't know, I, two or three. I didn't really say anything. Really, you really convinced close. yourself. <laughs> no, no, it's really, really close. No, when you're talking about like, yeah, you didn't have to talk about Dwayne. It's just when you talk about Kobe and and what he's done over the course of his career. Like it's an incredible career, no doubt. And, and like, it yes. shouldn't really matter. It shouldn't really matter. But I know that there will some be some fans of any player in particular. that are going to you know, feel slighted, you know, like, like Jordan. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting. Here, here's argument. my point. The, here's my argument right now. The career highlights are something Kobe Bryant made the all-star game literally every year, except two, like two years of his career, his rookie year, and in his third year, when he only played that 50 games, matter. That um, matter. he's got the he's got the championships beat right. He beats Dwayne Wade when it comes to championships. I'm gonna ask, I'm not saying that's not part of the argument because it's obviously a part of the argument. But strip it away. Strip just strip that part of the, from the of the argument away for a second, and then you consider all the other things. Right? It it's way closer than people think. It's way closer than people think, especially at their peaks. Right? Like I would say Kobe's peak was probably, what, 2000? I'm looking at his basketball reference. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call it a one, two, three, five-year peak from 2002 to 2007. He averaged 30 points per game on 44 point, on, let's call it 45% shooting. But they were bad. Uh, the Lakers were bad? I mean, Lakers were, they were not great. They, yeah. The, well, yeah, they, they, those two last, the first two years of that peak, was still Shaq era. There was the Carbolo, Gary Payton experiment, et cetera. And then there was the trading with Shaq in 2004. So, you know, I think after they traded Shaq. Well, they get like, Powell when? Uh, I think like 2006, I want to say. Yeah. So, I mean, whatever. So that let's just call that his peak. All right. We're going to call Dwayne Wade's peak what? 2000 and let's call it 2011 back to 2006. Seven? I want to give him five years too. He's averaging 27 points, so three fewer points per game on almost 49% shooting. His efficiency is way higher. Okay, way higher than Kobe. Kobe's averaging 5.9 rebounds a game. Wade's got 5.1. Wade's got 6.5 assists. Kobe's got 5.4. Wade's got more steals. Wade's got more blocks, and it's not close. 
when you just strip away everything and you consider their peaks, and then the fact also that when Kobe's teams were bad, Kobe's teams were bad. When Dwayne Wade's teams were bad, yeah, they got Michael Beasley that one year, but he also took two ridiculously untalented teams to the playoffs in 2009 and 2010. Like, there was that one year where he had Quentin Richardson yeah. on his team. Yeah. I had this stat for all you can heat. I'm going to try to pull it up really quick. He had that one team with, uh, with like, a one-year rental of Quentin Richardson way past his prime. Uh, Mario Chalmers, Carlos Arroyo, and Rafer Alston as a three-headed monster at point guard. Um, he had, like, Jermaine O'Neal's corpse walking up and down the court. Michael Beasley was playing power forward that year. Um, Quentin Richardson. That year, somehow managed to make one or fewer shots. So one or zero shots in 23 games that season. And this was the guy that was supposed to kind of be one of the top three scorers on that team when they got him. So, and a starter, by the way. I don't know. I just think that what Dwayne Wade did with less was more than what Kobe did. And then that's sort of where my argument is. Uh, If I, I... would probably if gun to my head probably say yeah Kobe was probably number two shooting guard of all time. My whole point in bringing all this up is I think it's a bigger argument and it's the gap between Dwayne Wade and Kobe Bryant is much closer than Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. I think there should at least be an argument here. All right, fair enough. Uh, awesome. Yeah. What a career! What an opportunity to be uh, you know take a little retrospective look at one of the greats, and that's what it's all about, right? Like the context changes because you know time passes, etc. For you, for player, you know, for fans that were younger and didn't get to see him in his peak, and you know, and not knowing what what players in the '80s and '90s were like, and things of that sort, like it changes a lot of the perspective about these players. But it's important to kind of freeze these, like Jurassic Park, like a mosquito frozen in amber. Right? We want to preserve these moments in time and still be able to give them the respect and the glory they deserve, that their respective legacies deserve. You know, Dwayne is a, an incredible player. That can't be taken away. Regardless of where he falls in everybody's respective lists, he is still a damn incredible basketball player that changed the game, influenced players of a younger generation, and and, and changed the, the, the way the game was played. Between the Euro step, the diving to the basket, his acrobatic moves, the things he did, um, maybe weren't Jordan-esque, maybe they weren't even Brian-esque, but they were Wade-esque, and they were spectacular in their own right. You're going to be up there for the Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinement. Uh, you'll have coverage from there, obviously, uh, that we look forward to. But you're right. What an amazing week. A great way to uh, sum it all up there at the end, David. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Like the videos on YouTube. Leave us a comment. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. Um, and if we already haven't published it by now, because I'm not sure we're going to run it, um, leave us an uh, Instagram voice message in the DMs, Locked on Heat on Instagram, um, for a chance to be featured on the show. Just a one-minute um, comment on your memories of Dwayne Wade, what he means to you, what you think of his career. We've got a bunch of good ones already, so uh, very much looking forward to putting that together. Again, thanks for making us Locked on Heat your first listen every day.